coming soon from Arkville Press. This is the story of the last city. It has outlived the world that it was born into, and it has outlived all its siblings. This is the story of the last city, a ruin built on ruins where death is a luxury few can afford. This is the story of the last city, of those who wander within and those who are crushed by its weight. This is the story of the last city, and this is how it died. The Tower Through the Trees by Sean Dillon, coming March 29th. Hello, and welcome back to Free Reeling It, a movie podcast where two movie watchers talk about a movie they've watched and possibly other stuff they've watched as well. I'm one of said movie watchers, and my name is Matthew. With me is my friend and co-host, Jesse. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm, I'm curious what my audio is picking up, because at times, it's like there's little blips, and I'm like, I'm not saying anything, and like... And like, like, is it picking up my drinking noises? Because it shouldn't. It shouldn't be picking that up. Um, so I'm gonna just turn up my gain just a little bit and see if that fixes the problem. Um, I'll, besides that, I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> How are you? Just little blips. <laughs> just, a, just, a tiny, just a tiny bit of noises coming up in my feed. I really want to solve this audio issue because I want to stop having to use the the zoom recording um i mean i know that behind the curtain i know that my background is full of my uh, my my audio apart from my audio track apart from apart from when i'm actually speaking looks like barbed wire because it is raining and uh my blue snowball mic picks up everything behind me and the windows behind me uh so yeah that's i might eventually just have to move my uh my desktop because it's right behind my monitors and my mic's right in front of my monitors so like it still picks up the fans even though the fans are like pretty dang quiet um yeah mine's under under my table i just want to see i want to see the little gift that plays on my de- on my desktop that's the reason it's on the top i just need to do yeah, desk that's, yeah I mean, yeah what are we watching uh, so, today? So, so we are this is episode 25 i actually know the episode number is it really 20? i we thought it was 27 wa- uh, well, according okay. The reason I know it's twenty five is according to the uh, last episode that I'm going to edit our little preview for. That was twenty four. Okay, you're right. Um, you're right. so uh, we are doing another Kurosawa jam this time out. We are doing the film he shot with Toshiro Mifune right before High and Low, and I believe High and Low was nineteen sixty three, and I believe. Uh, this uh, well, I know this is called The Bad Sleep Well because I watched it. I believe it came out in 1960. You're correct. And it is uh, nearing the end of the great collaboration that was Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune. It, it's it also, written, the original script is written by his nephew. Written by Kurosawa's nephew? Yeah, Kurosawa's nephew. And it took him like six months for Kurosawa to be like, hey, there's something here. I'm going to rewrite this. Hmm. That makes sense. So pick up your scripts from your nephews. Yeah. I mean, be open Be open to all avenues of interest, I guess. Um, so what's the main plot of this movie? 
So the main plot of this movie is uh, all corporate people are bad. It's kind of like the main plot of High and Low. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's it's like High and Low kind of tries to make kind kind of tries to make a good guy out of uh, Kingo Gondo, uh, but in this uh, the, the plot is. Um, I don't really know how to start because, like, so it begins with a wedding scene between uh, Toshiro Mifune and uh, Yoshiko, who is the daughter of a high-level executive of the public corporation for building. I believe that's it's. They just refer to it as public corporation. They say the full name a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then at said wedding, other executives at public corporation are being approached by police and arrested. There are tabloid reporters on 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 hand to sort of watch and and sort of narrate the <laughs> the events for the audience. And then it be then it becomes uh, we we learn that Toshiro Mifune is the illegitimate son of a former executive at Public Corporation who committed suicide under odd circumstances, and he has decided to take the identity of Nishi and basically worm his way into this environment to hopefully take it down from within. As much as I really enjoyed the um, kind of espionage going on in this movie, and the, the, the corporate espionage that's happening in this movie, mm-hmm. and the, the yeah. performances f- with everybody, I did find it kind of... What's the word? It's like meandering, but meandering seems like a sense of... Um, a sense of no goal. Like this, this movie felt very purposeful and everything, but at times I'm like, "Do we need this much?" Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, this movie, compared to High and Low, um, and I, I think it's, I think these are probably, a, a, it's probably a, a good reference. Yeah, these point are very for, fair comparisons. Um, I think, in in term, in, in a way that I understand it, and I don't know if this analogy will 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 land with you but it feels like um the two big beastie boys albums from the 90s uh this movie is definitely check your head and high and low is ill communication check your head is sort of a detour for the beastie boys where they picked up instrument again instruments again and it was very loose and chaotic and um while it, it did make sense Ill communication is basically check your head, but tightened up and uh, executed better for a lot of folks. And I kind of feel like that's the that's the extremes we're working with in terms of Kurosawa and and Mifune, because I think the the I am uh, I am the illegitimate son of Furuya, uh, the man who committed suicide before the movie started roughly five years before the movie started. Uh, it feels like it comes out of nowhere in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, now, granted, when, the, when that moment comes, a lot of what has happened 
makes sense or yeah. it makes more sense uh and and you know some of the things that you've seen like like I, i'm fascinated with mufune being basically silent for the first half of the movie he's a pretty quiet dude in this movie yeah like he doesn't have a lot of dialogue but but when he's in a scene you know he's there, which is you're just like, I mean, maybe it's just because you and I are coming at this as big Mufuni heads over here, big big Mufuni fans, and we're just waiting for him to sort of take over a scene. But uh, he's he's very much a, a, a almost a background player in the first half of this film, and I think despite all of that, the film takes off at pace but still finds ways to leave a lot of dangling threads that even though it ties them up later on, it feel it, there's so much that still feels like not resolved. Yeah. Like it, it, I felt very not empty, but like, yeah, the, the ending felt very like, Oh, the, this wasn't an end. <laughs> this wasn't an ending. This was just an end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there, there's, I think there's a, in, in a narrative sense, there's a big difference between an ending and an end. An end is where the story just stops, and ending is where the plot is resolved, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, and I think this one has just an end and not an ending, for me at least. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I think my, um, I think what this movie does best and kind of shines the most through is the character work with all the actors. Um, I don't know if the plot itself is like really that all that great, <laughs> but um, I, like everybody in this has like moments where I'm like, oh, you're the most believable person on film right now. You're the you're the you're like I can't see you as another per- I mean, except for Mufuni because he's just Mufuni, but um, yeah. every, but everybody else around him is like, oh, you are you're this person. You are just this person to me. Like I don't I can't I would never be able to see you as someone else. Even um. Takeshi Shimaru, like the, another freaking collaborator of mm-hmm. uh, Kurosawa, is like he's so he blends in so well to his character in this. Yeah, I think this is now as much as I love seeing uh, Takashi Shimura on screen. For some reason, when I see him on screen, it was very hard to see him as villainous as he is in this film because I don't think I've ever seen him in a really villainous role before. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know he. I know he makes a, a brief appearance in, as not a great dude in um, Throne of Blood. Uh, he's one of the cops in High and Low, and he. he I'm not gonna say he's all. He's like the Gary Cooper type, or or the even the Henry Fonda type, where they were predominantly like heroes and held up to a certain standard. But for some reason, he just sort of feels that way to me whenever... It feels that way to me whenever I see him on screen. And seeing him just be a complete asshole from scene one to the end, uh, it was it was jarring. Yeah. Um, and I think what... I think where... Um, I think I appreciate the brazenness of this film... And it's unabashed, untethered, like, yo, the, the, <laughs> there's so much corruption in corporations. And this is from the early 60s in Japan. And somehow this still feels like we're watching this 
shit like this unfold every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when the Enron documentary uh, was released and um, it was at the movie theater I worked at, which was like an art house uh, theater in Center City, Philadelphia. Or actually, no, this would have been Society Hill. But anyway, I remember, I never actually sat down and watched it, but I remember having to be an usher and like go in and, and every frame of that film just made me angry. And any time I see the suits in this film talking, I am just as angry as I was then. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I found that, I find that, Kurosawa was really good at pulling uh, that out of me, especially here and in High and Low, for sure. Kurosawa is... Um, I, I should not talk with my hand in front of my mouth like I just did. No, uh, Kurosawa, to, to me, is a director, and I think uh, we might talk about him again soon, but uh, like Richard Linklater and... Uh, Scorsese in a lot of ways, and there's a, there's a few others I could probably like if I really sat down and thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think Greta Gerwig is pretty good at this too, um, where they fundamentally understand human nature in a way that um, that they can make any mundane idea of human nature be one of the most fascinating and compelling things on screen. And a lot of, like, Kurosawa's way of doing this is by putting it into these, like, extreme situations like High and Low and uh, uh, The Bad Sleep Well or even Throne of Blood or something like that. But when when you take all of it away, the character work is still really there. And everybody Mm -hmm. at their core is a person. And, I don't know, there's something about the way Kurosawa, like, just grabs you and puts you in like a little hole and it's like you know these people like blink and you can see these people as people you interact with on a daily basis oh and, 100% and he is like one of the few directors that can do that 100% of the time like out every time I've watched a Kurosawa movie he's always done it and I'm I'm just I'm just so curious what what makes him tick <laughs> to let him do that yeah yeah no he if only, if only we could find out. <laughs> um, and see, and after watching this 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 film, I, I kind of became fascinated. Like, why did he and Mifune stop working together? Yeah. And I, I, I did, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really do research. I did a Google search. And uh, I found an article, which was basically a book review by uh, Donald Ritchie uh, about... I think it's called The Wolf and the Eagle or The Eagle and the Wolf and it kind of delves into the history of Mifune and Kurosawa and a lot of it is um, like it doesn't really go into the moment they broke up but it seems Kurosawa thought really highly of himself and didn't understand why Mifune would work with other directors and be in inferior films and i'm like oh kurosawa was that dude okay (laughs) all right um even if even if he may have been right yeah because they didn't really do they didn't really do film to film comparison i'm just like you don't really 
you shouldn't really do that. But it also, like, uh, the review itself talked about, like, Mifune being sort of that celebrity lifestyle type. So he probably wanted to maintain that lifestyle. And and, and I think Kurosawa, in some ways, is... Um, he probably was hard to work with. Just like I mean, yeah. I mean, I, just like reading, reading the facts of these movies at times, I'm like, oh... This seems like uh, this could be a very stressful situation for these actors. Like the wedding scene. A scene that's at most 15 minutes of that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that They took two weeks to make that. Yeah. like I, That's yeah, a, that lot be, for that's just, a lot of time for just the beginning of that movie. And, and mm-hmm. uh, not only did it say that this uh, the film composer for had a one week to compose the score for the film. I'm pretty sure that was the same deal with High and Low. It was. Yeah, like that. That's also not a lot of time to let your people like stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I think that it, there also comes a time where uh, you, s- when any uh, creative person starts flying a little close to the sun. In a lot of ways, and I think with the like, with high and low and ba- and the bad sleep well, Kurosawa still feels like he's pretty focused. But Redbeard and beyond, it, there is definitely a I'm probably I'm probably swinging a bit too hard for the fences. Now, granted, I love Redbeard, and if we ever decide to watch that for the show, that would be wonderful. But that's like that rivals Seven Samurai in terms of length. Um, we'll watch long movies. Yeah, 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 I know. Um, but uh, I think that it was probably more a point of... I don't want to... I mean, I don't want to say a point of pride, but I, I, can, I can see Kurosawa being the dude based on just that one review I read. And I'm not, like, trying to make a grand statement here but i can say i can i can see him being the guy well this is the line in the sand if you cross it we're not working together again and mifuni's probably like dude i still have to pay my rent yeah and i i i live in an expensive part of tokyo so like i gotta go do that um and i think kurosawa kind of thought of himself i mean well, Kurosawa worked with a lot of the same people uh, a lot of the time. And uh, that is, uh, a, I mean, a lot of directors from all places do that. But I think in the mid-20th century in Japan, that was the norm for... The, or that was a norm for, for Japanese directors. Um, mainly because like the few that I know their work into any sort of depth like um Seijun Suzuki uh Yasujiro Ozu um like they worked with they worked with specifically the same people and there were people that worked with them that would avoid taking other roles to continue to work with them I don't know if that's an indicator of their relationship or just or, or a business arrangement or or whatever I just know that I just know that it happened in fact it, it was really interesting to me in this particular movie one of the investigators is uh, Chishu Ryu 
who, if you look at his filmography from the 30s up until, I think, the 50s, there's, like, it's all Yasujiro Ozu and, like, two with any other filmmaker, and one of them is The Bad Sleep Well. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's, I think that that's um, a dynamic that it's possible Kurosawa might have tried to take that for granted with Mifune. Yeah. And I, when, and when Mifune said, I have to do the, I, I got to pay my own rent. Um, Kurosawa was like, well, clearly it's about the money rather than the art, which is always a funny bit of dialogue. Um, but back to the bad sleep. Well, uh, for the past couple of years, uh, in, in in my friend group, people that you and I know, and you and I have both said this, uh, you see a lot of tweets going. Now is a di- is as good a day as any to eat the rich, um, and I feel like I, f- I found that phrase echoing throughout my head this entire film. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no good uh, corporate man. No. No. Um, I mean, I think the... I think it's pretty bad that the most honorable one is probably Yoshiko's brother, Tatsuo. Mm-hmm. And all he, all he wants is... is his sister to be safe. Yeah. It's all he wants. So much so that he stands up at her wedding and says, Yonishi... You treat her badly. I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and this is within the first ten minutes of the movie. Um, and then even as you get the whole, you get kind of a, I mean, you get kind of a Robin Hood story out of, out of Nishi. And I forget his, fr- I mean, his, we never really get his friend's name, but we we learn that, um, his friend is is Nishi. I think his friend is the one whose identity he he took. Is that correct? Is that what you, you got? Um. But then, you know, we uh, we as the audience spend a lot of time asking. So, none of these people care about the folks affected by their actions. It's like no, like Mufune maybe for a brief moment before his demise talks about or takes a beat to think about Yoshiko. Um, and I mean I'll tell you right now, Yoshiko and Tatsuo's father doesn't give a fuck uh, about who they're about to sell out because. And this is gonna be this is gonna be really spoilery, but towards the end. There. Yeah, we're we're already there, and um, uh, okay. So <clears throat> towards the end of the movie, when uh, Yoshiko's father figures out that he figures out what's about to go down, he goes to Yoshiko feigns concern for Nishi because Tatsuo has made his statement that he's gonna kill him. And he lies to Yoshiko saying, yo, Tatsuo went, went out with his gun to find Nishi. And, you know, and, and Yoshiko is a bit meek 
to the point where she sort of says, oh, well, he, this is where he is. And uh, don't let Tatsuo kill him. She also tries to come along, but then the father drugs her. Now, to me, it looked like it was the same bottle that was full of... The the way I understood it, it was full of poison. Mm -hmm. And that poison was for... I don't remember if that poison was for Nishi or, or if it was for Shirai or if it was for um, anybody that was going to be put in a position to leave the father holding the bag on this. Um, but he basically says bottoms up to his daughter, lays her down. And then that sort of takes us to the conclusion of the movie. And to me, that was the, that is the most horrifying thing in this. I, and, and I'm like, Oh no. This motherfucker just... he You see moments in this film where he's, like, sharing some tenderness with his daughter. Like, when they're, when, when they're making... When they're making dinner and it looks very... For being black and white, it looks like, you know, almost... It looks like the Japanese equivalent to a friggin' Norman Rockwell painting. Um... Where they're all just sort of standing around. They all look nice. They're having food, smiling, laughing. Um, Tatsuo and Nishi are talking. Like, it looks it looks almost like a wholesome scene. And you just see him feed her of, of just a bottle of... I mean, I guess... It, I mean, she doesn't die, so it was definitely... Sleep... It was definitely to put her to sleep. But you're given the impression that he's dumping poison into his daughter to save his own fucking skin. Yeah, he just doesn't care about it. And I don't... I I mean, as someone who has had some family planning issues over the past three years, like... How? (laughs) How do you do that? Um... And and then... And then we get to the end of the movie where Nishi has Nishi has been murdered. I don't remember if uh, Moriyama, who was played by Takashi Shimura, I don't remember if he was murdered as well. Do you? No, I knew Nishi was murdered, but Moriyama was the guy who played by Takashi Shimura. Oh, um. I don't know if he was if he was taken out as well. We just never see yeah, him on think, screen I don't again. So. I don't think we know what happens to him. Maybe, like, Julie gets arrested? <laughs> well, the, the point is, the last thing we see in this film is, uh, is the father in a quiet office talking to the actual... I mean, also, well, I, I guess it's the president of public corporation, but it is the actual asshole at the top of all of this. Mm-hmm. And you sort of realize that this it isn't even for his benefit. It's for the benefit of somebody else. 
and all he is doing this entire phone call is pledging fealty like i'm so sorry that this was a was an inconvenience for you i'm so sorry to have burdened you with this trouble don't worry it's taken care of and the three principal people involved are fine like he's gonna be fine we don't see Shimura murdered. I'm, I'm, I for some reason I might be crossing my wires here, thinking he is. And then Shirai, uh, Mafune did a bit of good, you know, ghost play with Shirai because he's he's actually in traumatic shock and has been sent to uh, an institution, but he's alive and fine. That there's that scene though where Shirai is talking to someone like the corporate. After he's been, like, been being hunted by the assassin for a bit, mm-hmm. and he just like I think he like hears a sound and he like freezes in the room and like stares at it and they're like this guy's gonna yeah and they're like, like we gotta go he's like we gotta go inter- it's really well done mm-hmm. well because I mean, he's saying like this is this is exactly what you guys did five years ago to Faruya. This is exactly what you did before. I know what you're doing. And instead they just say, No, nah, you're crazy, dog. You just go take a take a go go, go to the go to, go with the nice nurses. They'll be they'll take care of you and we'll never have to see you again. But at least he's alive. Whereas Nishi's not. Faruya's not. Um Yeah, and and for for all of his run at the top of the mountain, Nishi's an asshole too. <laughs> God damn. Uh, I think I read an essay. Yeah. On on Criterion.com, uh, from like 2006, where someone said, or I don't remember who I don't remember who the writer is at this point in time. The they were talking. Uh, no. I don't remember. I wish I remembered who. Oh, actually, let's see. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But one of the things the the person said was, if this was, um, there was a, I think someone associated with this film that, I don't remember the name. I think it is. Yeah, it's it's the Chuck Stevens one from two thousand six, where um, I'm just trying to see. Oh, if it was Nagisa Oshima, uh, if it was if this was directed by by them, the, the the title of the movie might as well have been "I Die Off Screen," uh, in reference to how Nishi is how Nishi's comeuppance is handled. Um. So I know I kind of dove right into spoilers, and I apologize, but I didn't I mean, really. I mean, we, we've said this in other episodes. Like this is a, this is a show where we talk about a movie. We're not like trying to talk yeah. around a movie. We're talking about a movie. Yeah, but still, uh, yeah. This this movie is it is a very good film. I will say that the feelings that I have after watching that are a tangled up mess of anger <laughs> and uh 
And yeah, I, I it made me angry. Yeah, it's, made me, it made me want to eat the rich. It just did. It's one of those movies where I, it finished and I'm like, I don't know if I have any thoughts other than I really hated everybody. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a hard movie to like, if me and you were actual like film critics, people that would. Mm-hmm. Criticism, we could probably like have a lot more to say about like the shot composures and cuts and style of things, but. What, what, what we is go, man, like, surface level on a lot of things, but like, really, sure. this movie doesn't give you more than, like, Curse How is not trying to do more than watch these bad people be bad to each other for two mm-hmm. Like, even your hero, like, watch your hero be a bad person to people <laughs> for two and a yeah. half hours. Yeah. And I mean that's that's a Kurosawa trait. Throwing a blood's very much the same way. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. But it is one of those things where like without the extras of Kurosawa doing a bit more camera work or I know how much I said I like the characters, but like dialogue work, like there's not mm-hmm. like high end. Um it ends up being like I just kind of hated was <laughs> my feelings yeah. for the entire movie. I, d- I did want to mention uh, another scene, though, is the attempted uh, suicide of... I would name someone. Wada. I think yeah, you're talking Wada. about Wada. But try to throw himself in a volcano. Yeah! What the hell? <laughs> it feels like that's a very Japanese thing to do, but it, oh, man, it's, it looks cool. Well, and it's just... It's just, he's, it's just all of a sudden it cuts to this man just walking through, and it's not... It's not shot in a very discerning way, but this looks it, it looks like it could be the frozen tundra or the fucking desert. And you just see this man who looks like he's been walking in it for three weeks. Yeah. And then he's at the top of the mountain and and Nishi shows up. Hey, no, no, no. I need you to he's like, do that. He's like, hey, do you do you want to die or do you want to take them down? And let's talk about the audacity of what follows up. He takes him to his own funeral. Oh, yeah. This movie's this movie is wild. Like, if you like Kurosawa, I think this is an important movie to watch. But if you're like, I just want to watch the best Kurosawa. I don't think this is in, this is with oh. um, this is with uh, the called. Drunken Angel with me, like out of yeah. all the Kurosawa movies I've seen, like I think Drunken Angel is also a really fascinating noir movie. But like, mm-hmm. if you want to watch the good version of Drunken Angel, you watch Straight Dog. If you want to watch the good yeah. version of The Bad Sleep you watch High and Low. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind yeah. of how I feel about it. Yeah, like I mean, High and Low is a very is a is a much tighter version of this. And and if you want, uh, I think we have to watch Scandal within the next month. Have like the trilogy of these corporate like I mean I'm down you know which one Scandal is Uh, I don't Scandal is another uh, Kurosawa movie with the Mifune earlier one uh, 1950 Um, and the premise of it is a celebrity photographer sparks a court case as a tabloid magazine spins a scandalous yarn over a painter and a famous singer 
Oh yeah, that's that okay. feels like it, it would fit in this like theming of bad people doing bad things. Yeah, and and then sleeping well. <laughs> and, see and then sleeping see what well. I did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Do, you, do you have any other like thought about this before we move on to what we've been watching? Um, I will say, I will say, uh, the the sentence that I was happy that you you shared with me is that Mifune in with glasses is a babe. He looks great. He looks fan goddamn tastic. Is that, <laughs> that when he has that scraggly beard? Those are like the two best Mifune looks. Yeah, yeah. He also looks Mifune. fantastic in Stray Dog, but he's also really young in that. Yeah, when he oh young young Mifune is a young Mifune is a vibe. Like in, um, in... I've never seen Drunken Angel. Bagel Bagel clearly has some thoughts though. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm thinking of the wrong movie. I mean, Drunken Angel is like one of the really young Mifune. Um. But yeah, Mifune was a beautiful man. Um, I did like him in the Musashi Miyamoto trilogy that he was in. He looked pretty good in that too. Look at this man. This man is Snow Angels. Or Snow Trail, I mean. Yo. Right? I mean, this is 1947, Mifune. Yo, almost 20 years earlier, but yeah. Dude, like, like I'm, I'm sorry, but this picture, Johnny Depp saw that real young and said, "I'm gonna make that my vibe." Yeah, he looks, he looks, he's a bad guy in that one. Um, so, so yeah. let's talk about what we've been watching. So, uh, watch something real dumb. Perfect. Recently. Uh, have you ever seen Talladega Nights? No, but I have it's seen re- um the one Elfenakis when they're like running. Oh, I don't know about that one. What's it called? Is it called the? But uh, so Talladega Nights is um Will Ferrell. And John C. Riley as NASCAR driving partners, like they're partners on the same race team, and uh, it is one of the funniest things to me. And I think it's probably funny to me because I grew up with fans of NASCAR, and I gr- I grew up like adjacent to that fandom, and uh, I also grew up in in the middle of the country where there's a lot of a lot of a, a, a lot of the, a lot of the things that pop up in this movie are just like wow that's kind of hitting me where I live, but I still find it hilarious. I think it's I think it's utterly stupid, yet a wonderful watch, uh, and it, I think it's one of Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, better roles where he's not doing his thing. Uh, he plays um, French Formula One racer Jean Girard who has come to NASCAR to basically just be the greatest NASCAR driver ever. But then it becomes, it becomes, 
I, I came here because all I want to do is go be with my husband and raise, you know, I think he wants to just, he wants to just raise goats somewhere, but he, but in order for him to do that, he has to be beaten. And of course that, that comes down to Ricky Bobby. Uh, but, but yeah, it's a, it is hilariously stupid i i love it to pieces and uh i'm, I'm glad reba watched it with me <laughs> it is one of the dumbest things i've ever seen um but then i also went back to i also went back to uh what is i will say legitimately good media which is watching demon slayer um i think i'm over halfway through season one and the show rips and i love it i just let me watch season two yeah, but I've read the manga, so like, maybe not being into like a huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, what have you been watching, Jesse? Oh, you know me. I watch. Uh, I watch some movies. Well, between <laughs> between episodes. Okay, so hang on. No, let me let me let me let me rephrase this. How many times have you watched the Batman since Once. we last talked? Just Once. Once. Okay, so is that ten yet? It's eleven. It's my last time in theaters. Okay. Jeez, eleven in theaters, man. And one, my one theater movie this week is uh, see everything. No, yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. I want to see that. Okay. I'm excited to see that. Um, nice. So let's skip over the animated movie. Um, so I, uh, Oscars, uh, two weeks from the well, the week about a week from one week. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. that weekend I had a bunch of free time. I'm like, what about? All the rest of the Oscar nominations that, oh, geez. Uh, that I haven't watched. Best Picture ones. Not every Oscar. Okay. Just Best Picture ones that I haven't watched yet. So mm-hmm. I finished Coda. That took me to okay. one false start and actually get into it. Because that movie comes off really real and natural at first, and it threw me off. I think a lot of people are calling that the Disney Channel movie kind of feeling it has at the beginning. Um, okay, but it's it's a really heartwarming movie. It's one of the it's one of the two uh, Oscar nominated movies that maybe like get really teary eyed. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it's really good. I don't know if I would have been my best picture nominee, but it's fine. That I don't mm-hmm. care. Um, I watched King Richard. I think that was also very good. Will Smith. Is- um, I think there's like moments in it that it slows down a bit too much for me, but overall okay. I think it's really good. I think it's it's super well done. Um, then I watched. The three-hour epic, Drive My Car. <laughs> um, yeah, how is that? Matthew, would you believe that you don't see opening credits to this movie until about 40 minutes in? Yeah. Uh, it's The movie is... The first 40 minutes is a total gut punch. It's, and I, I, I've seen some criticisms, like it falls into some uh, sexist tropes. I don't know if it like that's really the tropes it falls into. I think it falls into humans are complicated and like sometimes mm-hmm. that complication looks tropey, but like it's not like this person was like no spoilers for this movie. Not like the person was mad at the person for the thing that they did. They're like, I this person's just processing something differently than me. And in, in that even though this is kind of like an ugly situation, there's way more it's more complex than people like see it at face value a lot of the time. Um Okay. But then, but then the next two hours and twenty minutes is all about processing 
what happens in those first 40 minutes like 10 years later um, oh wow yeah, okay. it's, it's very i think it's very good it's a very meditative movie um and then during the oscars i watched the last duel <laughs> <laughs> how was that um <laughs> nice um it's like not the best all the time but the sure. action in that movie is great uh i think ben affleck and adam driver are who are the scummiest people I've seen in the movie in a minute? Like, like actual trying to be scummy. Um, even even Matt Damon is scummy in the third act of that movie. But like, it it, it it's Rashomon, but in France. Okay, that's really what it is. Um, and then there's actual. Uh, then there's a duel at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, and then last week I was like, you know what I want to do tonight? I'm gonna watch Chinatown. I'm putting it off. Oh fuck! I'm so glad you watched Chinatown. Chinatown's really good. Uh, Roman yeah. Polanski sucks. We can say that right now. Yeah, no, fuck Roman Polanski. It, it, there's a there's a there's a hard thing that I always like deal comes to like how do I watch or bad creator and mm-hmm. Chinatown like the director the director you don't feel the director in Chinatown. That's the way to put it. Yeah, you just kind of feel Chinatown as a movie. Like when you watch mm-hmm. um. Gosh, what's the really famous uh, Annie Hall? Annie Hall, you feel Woody Allen all through Annie Hall. It's, it's that movie is a is Woody Allen. Like that's well, yeah. His a lot of his work. Like it's hard for me to go back to his work now because he's in so much of it. Yeah, but he's in, like he's in the writing of it too, and the way it's directed. Like, even if he wasn't the star, like it would just feel like a Woody Allen thing, though. Yeah, you know what I mean, where Chinatown is. Um, is Chinatown based off a book? I believe so. It makes sense if it was. If, even if not, though, like it, it feels like a noir. It doesn't feel like the one person wrote it. And the same thing with the direction. Like it, the direction doesn't have a distinct personality to me. It, it really just like we're following these characters, and you're gonna see their path. Yeah. So I think it's just it was inspired by the California Water Wars. Which is a series of political, which is a series of political conflicts in, uh, in between the city of Los Angeles and farmers and ranchers in the Owens Valley of Eastern California over water distribution. Chinatown is really good, though. I saw the Lost City, the new Sandra Bullock and uh, Chinatown movie. Okay. Do you like romantic comedies? I, I do. Do you like romancing the stone? Uh, yes, I do very much. Uh, you'll like this. Okay. That's basically what it is. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Chantan and Sandra Bullock are really good. Watch the first Evangelion Rebuild movie. Preparing. It's the big three. There's really good animation in that movie. I don't know if I like, like, I've seen the original series, so it mm-hmm. helps. If I, if I've never seen the original series, I think that I would like the movie less. Yeah. It, this seems like it, there's nothing <laughs> In this first one, because they're really they're really burning through a lot of the original plot, start turning it into something. Looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for I'm excited to listen to them talk about uh, Evangelion. Um, and to skip over one, movie I don't have much to say about. I watched the producer. Ooh, you don't have much to say about the no, producers. No, no, no. Like, I'm skipping over another movie that I don't have much to say about. Oh, I okay. Want, I want to talk about the producers for a second. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. I uh, I think. Um, I don't like. Oh, I mean, I think I'm in the majority. Say I don't like a lot of stuff. 
Oh, fair, yeah. I do like Robin Hood Men in Tights, I think. So saw that for the first time when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I saw it when I was like, I think I'm, don't know if I was even a teenager yet. Uh, but that movie makes me laugh, but it's not good. <laughs> uh, but the producers is the first Mel Brooks. Oh, not, maybe not the first movie, but it was the first movie directed by Lindsay. And, I think so, yes. Um, it's sharp. It's so sharp. Mm-hmm. I it's, think, it's, I, I think the third act is a little wonky, but jokes are so, so good still. Yeah. Um, it feels very yeah. much like uh, Young Frankenstein is the, in Blazing Saddles are the perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, more Young Frankenstein, less Blazing Saddles, because I also think Blazing Saddles has a kind of weak third act. At least a weak ending. Mm-hmm. I disagree with you there. I know, I get, I, I get the joke, <laughs> but it's not how I want it. Okay, that's valid. You know what I mean? That's like, valid. Like, I, when, I, when I can understand the cleverness of it, like the, the complete breakdown of the fourth wall at the end of Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. is really is, is great. And I understand that's pretty much the only way they could have ended that movie. But at the same time, I, I, you watch Young Frankenstein, and you're like, well, there's actually an ending here. <laughs> True, yeah. So, yeah. I, no, no, well, now you have to watch Silent Movie. I, I own it. I just haven't watched it. Silent Movie's great. Yeah, I love Silent Movie so much. A books box set that I got because it's owned right. by a different distributor. Yeah. So like I was like, finally I saw this was streaming on movie, and I'm like, oh, I should watch the producers. It's only now. <laughs> yeah, the, the producers is probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um. Well, yeah. I guess we should talk about what we're watching next time. Yeah. What are we watching next time? Because <laughs> it's, it's up to you. So, I, you know, I don't like it. No, I don't no, no, like it when it's no, up to I, me. <laughs> I, I, I'm the movie, but you have to make oh, okay, a decision good. with based on your schedule. Okay. Now, the movie that's available to us right now that we can watch. Finish up the virtual link later before George. Yes. However, our next recording date is twenty first. Yes. The Batman goes to HBO Max the nineteenth. <laughs> Oh. So, do you think you can watch the Batman, which is about a three-hour movie? Yeah. We're gonna do the Batman. Okay. If if for some reason the Batman does not come out the nineteenth, because it's coming up, don't watch before midnight. Now we'll watch it next time. It's my turn. Not a big deal. I mean, here, here, let's just let's just you know we've done this on Trivial Merit. Let's just for if if we're not if for some reason the Batman is not streaming by the next episode. We'll watch before midnight. If it is, we'll watch the Batman, and then the next episode after that will be before midnight. So we'll just nail our next two. Yeah, okay, that works for me. All right. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for both those movies because uh, just one, I'm excited for you to witness Batman, and um, curious where you fall because I feel like you fall in only two that movie, and excited to finish the before trilogy because um. Just, I want to watch more Ethan Hawke stuff because he had to watch Moon Knight and he's just a little freak in that show. Um, just curious, what are the two camps for the Batman movie? Oh, it's you either really, really enjoy it or you don't. <laughs> not, not, not like in the sense like, I don't understand why this movie exists. You're like, this movie is too long and it's slow and I, this isn't, this isn't The Dark Knight <laughs> is the second camp usually. I've, oh, jeez. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pro- it's probably like, it's probably the one thing that I, it, it's probably like the similar camp that w- that keeps me from watching like the modern Spider-Man movies because yeah. I really like Spider-Man Two by Sam Raimi and it's just I gotta just get over myself. It's one of those things um, where people and I I mean I have this issue at times too, but people can't divorce themselves from what they think is perfection. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like people that Where, still like talk about Back to the Future as the best trilogy ever. I'm like, we've had a lot of trilogies since there, guys. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and I, yeah, I've, I've, I've been, I've been that dude that's been like, this isn't what I wanted, so it's bad. But then revisited that thing and been like, you know what? Okay, maybe I, maybe I, I do it with music. Oh, I do as well. Um, I, I've done it with I've done it with artists like in the same week. <laughs> it's just like wow. I just I was just really up my own ass. Um, so yeah, I will. Well, I I will be as open as possible, and you will get my thoughts on the Batman. I don't think I'm going to be the well. This isn't the Dark Knight. No, I think I think you're gonna like you like no. Yeah, I I don't th- yeah. You, so you know, I think you know it, I'm more curious about if you if you're able to watch it. I'm curious what Rebo is gonna think. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I don't know where she, I don't know where Rebo falls on any of the superhero stuff. I had to. Well, we we were we we tried to watch the Bad Sleep all together. We both fell asleep during because we were just. Fall, I mean, that's why it's in the name. Yeah, it's a sleepy uh, movie. So I'm I must be I must be horrible. That no, um, but then just like. We uh we were getting kind of winded, and she said, "How much longer is in this movie?" And I <laughs> I hit pause. I'm like, "Oh, we have two hours left." And she's like, "Oh boy." <laughs> I'm kind of cu- curious when I when I get Batman on the home on my I've been like mentally timing where the halfway mark is mm-hmm. on my watches. I'm like, okay, um, and I think I know what the halfway plot wise, but it's not the halfway. Time wise, maybe. So I'm curious. I'll, I'll come. I'll report back when we watch it. If I was right about, I'll actually. I'll, I'll say it right now. Where I think the halfway. Mark, I think the halfway mark is right after. Car chase scene. Okay. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'd, like <laughs> watching eleven times, that always feels like worth. Okay. Um, All right. So I will. I will mark the nineteenth on my calendar for. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll it comes I'll, out. I'll remind you. It comes out the nineteenth. Okay, that's gonna be tough. Yeah. So no, here's here here here's why. Um, I'm having surgery the nineteenth. Oh. On my eye. Oh, that is gonna be tough. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, um. You, I mean, I'm. We'll, we'll both watch before midnight just in case. Yeah. And if you end up being able to watch the Batman with your eye surgery, then we'll be the Batman and rewatch before midnight. I mean, yeah, like it'll it'll be it'll be a it'll be a situation where if I say, Hey, if I'm if I'm able to watch at the twentieth, like that'll probably be the most likely thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um this it's gonna be interesting, so You're like the, you're like everything had a weird sepia filter. <laughs> Everything was super. Gr- is this is this is this movie real gray? I had to wear sunglasses watching it. Why? <laughs> um, I was, we should wrap up. We're good. 
Yes. But I was going to tell you that something is streaming. I'll have to give you my account information for this. I'm leaving mm-hmm. this in because it's still movie talk, and I really want to. I really want to talk about it. Sure. Um, but there is a Melville movie streaming. Watch, but it was really late when I saw it was streaming, and I was like, "Oh, Army of Shadows" by Jean-Pierre Melville is streaming. On oh, Netflix. yo, Army of Shadows is dope. Let's watch that. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I was about to say like we like, even if uh, if we don't like, watch it for this. Oh yeah, no, I'll watch that. I'll watch that again. That movie's great. It looks cool. <laughs> I want to watch it. I just thought that's one of that's one of those weird. That's one. Of, that's one of those weird movies that was like it never got officially released uh, in America. Then when it ca- it was given a theatrical run when it came out on Criterion, I believe, and Ebert called it his best movie that year, and in the crew of movie heads I ran with at the time they're like what the fuck is this this movie came out in the 60s I'm like it never got officially released so it's an official release so it counts like that's stupid I'm like no I think it's just your difference of opinion on this one pal <laughs> like, it's, I, I mean I'm not I'm not here to defend you know Ebert's decisions but like I can see I could see how he logicked his way there and that's really the point of it. Also, I think he set out to get people to have a conversation with this article. Guess what we're doing? Having a conversation. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so uh, if you guys want to watch uh, a novel movie that is really good, it's on movie. It's one of the newer movie movies. Yes. So we will be watching either Before Midnight or The Batman. Yep for our show in two weeks and we're probably just going to watch Army of Shadows just because and we'll talk about it and we'll talk about it because uh, I'm all I will I will watch any Melville movie because John Pierre Melville rules um, so Jesse that's kind of the end of it for yeah. us otherwise we uh, could just sit here and vamp so Matthew, Matthew where people find you on the internet uh, I was going to ask you that, but I'll go first. Uh, you can find me at infinite underscore rewind anywhere I'd like to be. That's predominantly Twitter. Uh, I do post on Instagram every so often. Uh, I've been every, every time I try and do that more, uh, life gets in the way because I work in healthcare. Um, also you can find me ho- co-hosting two other pods. It is, uh, one is called story route zero where myself and three friends talk about video games that we're playing uh another is trivial merit where jesse's and my mutual friend caroline and i we talk about music through through the act of making eight song playlists to get us to feel better so we start from a negative mood go to a positive mood that's all controlled by dice rolls and it's a really fun time caroline is really funny and she's really smart and uh, I can't, be- I still can't believe she lets me talk with her about music because, yeah, she's wonderful. Um, and then uh, recently, I have been added to the cast uh, or the the panel uh, for the Bald Gun Guy podcast, which is a playthrough of the modern hitman trilogy going level by level for an episode the santa fortuna episode is up it's put out by scanline media and uh and 
I'm really glad that six and tie. Let me talk about Hitman with them. Uh, and the first episode for me was really fun. I think I, I think I think I think we I won't speak for them, but it sounded sounds to me like we all had fun doing it. So uh, stay tuned for that. That comes out every month, so it'll be a while before the next one. And you can find me at Sleep of the Bed everywhere. And uh, for the next few months, we're still doing Y Comics. We're going to be on a break, though, after the next few months. But you can find that at Y Comics Pond. I do it with our mutual friend, Anna, for the most part, though she will be also taking a break before I am. So we've got a, cool, a couple cool new interviews that are coming up. Um, and nice. you can find this show at Free Reeling It. You can email us all your movie thoughts at, at freereelingit at gmail.com. And lastly, Matthew, who does our theme song? My buddy Jason, he goes by Deadeye. You can find him on Instagram at Deadeye Productions, D-E-A-D-I Productions. He put out his album called Bloodshed Kingdom earlier this year that has our theme song on it. It's a very good instrumental reggae album with a lot of cinema references. Check it out. It's a very good listen. I like it a lot. Uh, um, And Jason is very talented. Uh, You can also hear work he did before with uh, a group called the Hope Street Steppers. They put out an album called Black Lightning in 2013, and it is still one of my favorite reggae albums of all time. I think just I will will shout it from the rooftops. Listen to both these records. They're very good. They're on Spotify. They're on Bandcamp. And I believe they are on any streaming service as any other streaming service as well. Uh, and lastly, uh, to end the show, I just want to say, uh, The Bad Don't Sleep Well, or the, gosh, what's the name of this movie? The Bad Sleep Well. Bad, okay. Uh, take two of my joke, which I'll leave take one in, though. Uh, <laughs> the, the Bad Sleep Well, but I sure don't. Do but, me either. <laughs> 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 God. <laughs> <laughs>